CabanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. So, before I was coming over here, I saw Seth Byrne. Really? Yeah. And Seth's like, so what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go podcast with Mike. He's like, oh, Michael J. So what do you guys do when you podcast? I'm like, I don't know. We just like talk about some cards and talk about maybe my Game of Thrones death pool and yeah, you know, and just just kind of chat. And he's like, where, where do you guys do it? I'm like, oh, Brookfield. He's like, so you go to the mall and you hang out with Mike and then you podcast. I'm like, it's like yeah, that's pretty much what we do. We hang out at the mall. That's it. We're like mall rats. Yeah, we're yeah. like clueless. Yes, yes. That was basically his implication for yeah. sure. Well, I mean, you do have a giant square pink shopping bag. It's true. It's true. I mean, there was, there was a great seal at, sale at Wet Seal today. So. <laughs> All right. So, controversial thought. Yes. Super controversial thought. Uh, you, you watched last night, I assume. I did. All right. So, so, so is this where you have to sort of declare spoilers for I people? mean, it's... It's open season. If you, it, it's been by the time this is up, it's like at least like twenty four to forty eight, right. maybe even seventy two hours. It's your own fault, in okay. my opinion. Okay. All right. Catherine says she's just like screw Danny. She's she's Team Sansa now. Okay. Team Sansa. What do you I, think? I'm, I'm Team Sansa. Really? Yeah. You're screw Danny. Yeah. I'm Team Sansa. Wow. Sansa Sansa is like I've never had a character do this like full complete character turn. I hated Sansa for multiple seasons. Yeah, as you should. Obviously, when you're reading the book, she's just kind of this terrible character who, you know, deserves death at multiple points. But, you know, it's like Gandalf says, many who deserve death get life and many who deserve to live die. Yeah. Like Ned. Maybe because of Sansa. So you, y'all, you, you and Catherine, Team Sansa, huh? Yeah. Although, in my death pool. Oh no, that's Ari. Oh no, Sansa. So if Gregor Clegane, yeah, kills Sansa, this season I win money. What is this? This is my. This is the death pool I'm in. Look, see, it's this axis here is the one doing the killing. Yeah. And then this axis here is the one doing the dying. I have an office pool and I put it on auto-draft after I put my picks in. And it definitely screwed up. It, like, definitely drafted Nymeria the Wolf instead of Bronn for me. Uh, what? <laughs> I had Bronn in, like, the top five. For some reason, it shows Nymeria the Wolf. This, this is just... You, you're, we're all, we all put in, like, a buck a square for however many squares we wanted, and then yeah. you win based on if your square comes up, the person you pick... It's you like know, a Super Bowl. It's kind of like a Super Bowl. So, for example, if... If Jorah Mormont kills Jon Snow, Aaron, I don't know who Aaron is, but they will win okay. some, some portion so of the pool. So the pool I'm in, I, I, I should have thought really, really thought deeply about this. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of the characters, I, didn't, I just didn't prioritize the characters in the bottom half very highly. So the one that I'm in is just, like, if you get the throne, 200 points. If you kill a dragon, 150 oh, points. Oh, that's, that's good. Um, but if you get, like, a random hookup, 10 points, right? But nudity is 10 points. I, 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 the thing that I forgot about is any character that doesn't matter, that you don't know their name, you should just prioritize female characters above male characters because of the nudity points. Sure. 
I, guess, I just wasn't even thinking about it. They don't, like, they don't count. They, they only count full frontal. They don't count, they don't count ass. Count. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's been, there has been some male full frontal in the show, but I think less, not even one hand worth of male full frontal in the show, I think. Right. right? But, you know, plenty of, plenty of qualifying nudity for, sure. for many a female actor. Uh, separately, there's a, you get like, I think 10 or 15 points for random hookup. I thought that bronze should have been worth like forty-five points last night. That, <laughs> that's three random hookups. Right? Uh, he, he didn't really consummate, so I don't know if it counts. Um, he got pulled away. All right. So here, here's the thing, though. Yeah. I got three. I think good Cersei's. Oh yeah. Cersei doing Cersei doing the killing. I've got Arya. Cersei kills Arya. <laughs> good luck with that one. <laughs> I have. I'm, I'm fairly certain that won't happen. I have Cersei kills Jamie. Ah. So does it work through an intermediary? Like if she pays the I don't mountain know, to no, kill Jamie? No, it gets, I believe that wouldn't count. Then the mountain gets the kill. The mountain would get the kill. Maybe there's a split. If There's some cabal that will rule over the... Mm-hmm. And then finally I've got, a, I've got a dark horse when I've got Cersei kills Bronn. Oh. That is, that's a good dark horse. I think that's a good dark horse. But here's, here's the best one that I don't have. This I think is the best square on the yeah. board. Jamie kills Jamie. <laughs> I think that's a really... I think that one really is like... I think you get a lot of value on that. I don't know. If you saw the the preview for next week, I don't know if Jamie's going to have the option for killing Jamie. Um, I think, you know who the best, like, Dark Horse candidate is? Viserion. Because he's going to get a dragon kill for sure. I don't know if Drogon's going to get a dragon kill. I don't know if Rhaegel's going to get a dragon kill. None of the dragons were here. Viserion's going to get a dragon kill. None of the dragons were here. So they had to institute a maximum number of points per episode based on kills because this this is like a, a, a computer overlord tallies yeah, the points yeah, every yeah. week. So when they introduced the dragons last year in the pool, like all the dragons were like getting like 1,500 points per episode <laughs> for killing so many humans. So they're like 50 points max for killings. So how did you like the episode? Just and We don't have to do spoilers. How did you like it? I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I mean, I think it, it's like... Like, look, there, there are multiple classes of Game of Thrones episodes. There are filler episodes. This wasn't a filler. This, this was not a filler. This was not a filler episode. There are payoff episodes. Yeah. This was not a payoff episode. There was a little payoff. A little, but this was a setup episode. Yeah. But, like, but it was, like, certainly very gratifying. Like, you've been reading, especially if you've been reading the books, you're like, oh, my God, when are Arya and Jon going to be in the same spot again? Yeah. When is, when is you know, Sam going to get to tell Jon his, his juicy gossip yeah. about his aunt? <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, about, about his girlfriend's brother. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it would be hilarious if it was revealed that John had been dyeing his hair all this time. <laughs> <laughs> what if he was doing that? So, um, I was grossly disappointed. Okay. So, how many episodes this season? Six. Six? Six episodes, and I was told each one is supposed to be like a, a movie-length episode, right? Well, this the rest... So, this, this was this one... Was certainly under. I think wasn't it wasn't even an 50, hour. It was only fifty minutes. Yeah. But the next uh, five episodes are all seventy to eighty minutes in length yeah. of runtime. This one wasn't even an hour. Yeah. Yeah. No, I look. Yeah. No, I agree. It was. It was. I wanted more, but I think that's fine. You know, I mean, like, I mean, Jimmy Wakefield was just like completely underwhelmed. It was like, just give it a. You know, every episode does not have to pay you off. It's a TV show. It's a, it's a different form of entertainment than than, than movies. Let's, let's let it flow a little bit. We don't have to render judgment after one episode. I mean... I understand we only have a few. 
What children? We don't just have a few. My girl Naomi Watts is starring in Game of Thrones next season. But, I mean, a lot remains to be seen about that show, right? What? Naomi well, Watts' like, show? Like, is it something that we care? Is it something that we will care about? Is it something that we're going to end up caring about at all? I mean, Naomi Watts is going to be in it. I was going to watch. I understand. I understand. Oh, did did you did you watch her Netflix show? I didn't know she had a Netflix. Yeah, show. you can't watch it. What is it's it? Un, I don't even remember what it's called. It's unwatchably bad. Really? Yeah, she plays some some psychiatrist, and she has patients, and I don't know. That's about all. Is it I can like remember. in treatment? Because my my wife no, owns like it's, it's all not, the DVDs of in treatment. It's not like in treatment. It's more, I think, a little more suspenseful than in treatment. Sounds like I. It can go. I mean, I'm not even done with the Santa Clarita diet. There's new episodes of Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of yeah, Sabrina. I haven't watched yet. I just started watching Shameless. I, I started watching Shameless a couple times. I just never got super into it. Should I watch it? So, everybody on the show is fantastic. Yeah. The show is super entertaining, and it's utterly inconsequential. It's not one of those things like what people say about Valiant Comics. Like every single issue is. Illustrated beautifully and written incredibly well, and you just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Jump to green in honor to, of Jamie Wakefield. You want to jump to green? I just want to just jump straight to green for a second. This isn't a this isn't a set review episode. This no, is just well, a, it's the whole, whole set's not right. out yet, right? It's, so there's two cards I want to bring up. Is one of them the Awakening of Vidu Ghazi? That's like about in my top four of my Jamie Wakefield card list. Although that, that is, although is an instant. It's even like... Very Jamie Wakefield because you wake a field, and it becomes a nine-nine. That is very Wakefield, yeah. Yes. So, so I actually just put some cards on Jamie's Facebook wall this weekend. I was just like, if ever there was saw, a time to come back, I saw. But so let's talk about Awakening. Of you. This is like in my top four, probably third of my Jamie Wakefield cards. So Awakening of Vidugazi is three GG for an instant rare. Put nine, nine. Plus one, plus one counters on target land you control. It becomes a legendary zero zero elemental creature with haste named Vidugazi. It's still a land. It doesn't get like indestructible or anything. No, no. You can just cast, no. cast the thing down. No. Yeah. I don't care how big it is. That's so that's really classic Jamie Wakefield. <laughs> And it's, but it's got like it gains haste, so it's got like the idiot text on it. Yes, like it you does. can't you accidentally, can't yeah. Like, because back in the that's the worst. Like, there's some cards like like that you turn it on and then you can't attack. Yeah. But they had to do that because of like Moto, because like you couldn't know which one but was but, new. But now, like in the Legacy Cube, there's some where it's like I yeah. just always assume that they're all don't have haste. the idiot text. I know, but some of them don't, and then nope. I'm an idiot. Yeah. I've right. idiated my uh, my Cothland quite a few times. Yeah, yeah. Cothus, Cothus, the classic, right? So. I think that bond of a of By the story, I mean, obviously, I mean, people have already talked about this, but obviously, getting this on a uh, Ink Moth Nexus seems very good. You think, you think that's going to come up one real hit. often? One hit. Yeah, you think it's going to come up real one often? Hit. No. Yeah, that, that, the decks that play Ink Moth Nexus can't one make hit. five mana. One hit. Yeah, good one luck hit. with that one. I think just putting this on like a Dark Steel Citadel might be more more effective. Yeah, are yeah. you into that? I think it's more likely to hit. That's fair. No, but no, that Inkbond Nex isn't hitting anybody. <laughs> I mean, come on. It, it hits anyway. Yeah, sure. Sure it does. Okay. You know the last time I was hit by an Inkbond Nexus that I didn't let it in? Because I've only ever let him in. All right. Except for once Dave Shields beat me with an Inkbond Nexus wearing Batter Skull. And Chapin looked over and he was just like, you just cast the most expensive card in your hand still, right? 
He's like, I'm like, yeah. He's like, why don't you just cast the Jace instead of the Consecrated Sphinx? I didn't think he'd be able to get out of it. Well, you were wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, but there were, so here's one of the cards that I thought. God that, Eternal Ronus? Yeah, God How is it, these new God Eternal cards, how are they real? I, I don't know. They're, they're just not even a real card, right? Like, this one, this might be the best one, but it's, it's really good. But all these God Eternals are, you know, Bantu's not that good. But like, I haven't even seen Bantu. Bantu's like sacrifice stuff and then... It sounds like you've cards. seen Bantu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I just haven't thought about Bantu that much. Yeah, yeah like, they're, all, they're all like too dumb for their casting costs, but this one's actually actively good because like if you just kill it, it's still good, right? Right. So God Eternal Ronus is 3GG for a legendary creature, Zombie God. He's a zombie and a god. So probably like it's Easter's coming up on Sunday, so I want no part of this joke. I'm just—it's not a joke. I'm just saying, you know, the, the holiday's coming up. I'm just—I was just mentioning that. So he has Death Touch. Yeah. When God Eternal Ronus enters the battlefield, double the—how was that real? Double the power of each other creature you control until end of turn. Those creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. It wasn't good enough. We tested it. Bob, we tested it. It's not right, good they don't gain trample, though. That's fine. When God Eternal Rotus dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. So you can't even, you can't even really you have exile to, you have to, like, pacify it. Yeah, like, if you, like, even if you, like, do, like, an Ixalan's Binding, you could just get it. I mean, you can Merfolk Trick it and kill it. Right? Like, I can Merfolk Trick it, and then, like, in my blue-white deck that has both Merfolk Trickster and... Like, just damage ...some sort of Oblivion Ring. You can, like, block it with a Gideon or something, and then Merfolk Trick it during combat. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. All right. But this, this is, like, the best overrun of all time, right? Double... Well, it's not, because it doesn't give trample, so it's not the best overrun of all But it, it gives vigilance, so unlike other overruns, you don't well auto-lose well to a fog. That the best overrun of all time is Trump, they domains. Well known, just known. So, don't say it's the best overrun of all time. Do you only think that on account of you made day two of a Grand Prix with it? No, I thought that before that. But that was but that, that certainly <laughs> conformed my biases. <laughs> that, was like a, that was a contributing factor, right? Um, so, so, here's the thing. Steve Sadin had the top eight magic uh, podcaster, we called it. Yeah. It was like a physical podcasting device. Yeah, it was a physical podcasting Won a Grand Prix. Matt Wang had the top eight magic podcaster. Won a Grand Prix. Neither the one of them thought to, you know, podcast while winning the Grand Prix, but they had the podcast. They were supposed to be podcasting. Oh, like I'm in the midst of winning a Grand Prix. So they won some great Grand Prix. So Brian gets the top eight magic podcaster, makes day two with Trop the Domains, loses the podcaster. And True so story. now we're in the situation. Perhaps you don't remember my Grand Prix top eight from New Jersey, <laughs> and this is why. <laughs> yeah, he lost a podcaster, and that's why we just only podcast like you know once every four, four or five years because <laughs> we don't have a podcaster anymore because he lost it in route to not making top eight of that Grand Prix or winning it actually. If you had that podcaster, sure. it's a win it's, out. It's right. a known fact that I would have won. Yeah, I mean science. Yeah, science. No, absolutely. So science. this card, super dumb, and here's this card, a little innocuous card. This is better than many cards I have played in the past. <laughs> so this, this is Triumph. This was previewed by Nadine, uh, who often cosplays as Nissa. Okay. Um, she did an awesome like, cosplay where she made herself look like this card and took a photo. 
uh, green green for sorcery, search your library for up to two basic forest cards. If you control a Nissa Planeswalker, instead search your library for up to three land cards. Reveal those cards, put them into your hand, and shuffle your library. So either two basic forests or it's three fine. or three lands. But it's fine to get two basic. It forests. is absolutely fine to get two basic. Yes, it's like the cheapest divination ever. Yeah, this card's really, really, really powerful. I mean, especially if you compare it to, like, That's Jace. all I've ever drawn with a divination is two basic forests. Yeah, but even if you just compare this to, like, Jace's Triumph, like, Jace's Triumph is, like, not that much better, and it costs a third man. Also, it's like a triple tutor, right? Like, I oh, don't know. in a situation where you have an essay? Yeah, I mean, not that anyone ever would. Like, it's just the sequence doesn't really work out. I guess if you pull this late, right, because, but then this is cost, like, five or six. Sure. Right, so, or five. Pr- primarily five. Sure. So, or like seven, you know, it depends. Sure. But like, um, like you're probably going to cast this before you have your Nessa. You definitely don't want just two basic forests at that point in the game. Yeah, but the problem is your deck might just be built all of basic forests because it's a Jamie Wakefield deck. Oh, sorry. Because you would just get three then. Yeah. That's still, you know, plus 50%. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is a literal anti-Hem to Torak. Hem to Torak hits you on turn two. Yeah. You discard two lands. It's all you have. It's all lands. It's all you have. No, no, you probably discarded like critical cards because no, they're just, random. Just two lands. That card was not friendly. And then uh, this, for the same thing, GG. This is the exact opposite. GG! You get two, you get two lands. Okay. Um, I just thought these green cards are dumb. But yeah. all, all the God Eternals are super dumb. By all I mean, some are dumb. What do you, what do you think of this Nissa and Nissa who shakes the world? So, Nissa, who shakes the world. So, whenever you tap a forest for mana, add an additional green. She costs five. Three, yeah, so, three GG. So, a mana a flare five. is only four, right? Yeah. So, this is a one-sided mana flare for five. Plus one is put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature land you control. Untap it, and it becomes a creature with vigilance and haste. So, make a three-three vigilance. So, you can tap out for this and then make a three-three. Yes. That's part of its fail yeah. state. Yep. Uh... And then it has minus eight. You get an emblem with lands you control of indestructible. Search your library for any number of forest cards. Put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Yeah, that's a that's probably going to win if you don't die that turn. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Probably. So. Also, it's like draw a hundred cards. Yeah. So probably going to also. Given the fact that when five, you untap with this, you have an ex- expected mana of 12 the next round. Are you going to play this one? If you can stick it, you can't lose, really. You have 12 mana the next turn. Sure. Uh, are you going to give me 12 mana and I'm not, I'm not supposed to win? You know how many Nissa's Triumphs I can cast with that? <laughs> More than can be in my deck. Yeah, but you're not going to get forests anymore. You're going to just get any land. It's oh, not yeah. going to feel flavorful. That's true. That's true. You know what card's super flavorful? I just want to point it out. Which one? There's a black card. I think it's called, like, Forerunner of the Dread Horde. Here, wait, that's it. That's him. Uh, Herald of the Dread Horde. Sorry. He's three and a B for a 3-2 zombie warrior. When Herald of the Dread Horde dies, a mass too. So he's, like, literally the Herald of the Dread Horde. He's like, yeah, what's up? I'm a three zombie. They're like, get out of the way, and they kill him, and then the Dreadlord shows up. What did you think of Elder Spell? Which one is Elder Spell? Did you Elder see Spell? that? You didn't see that today? I don't think it's up on this list yet. It was previewed on Twitter today. Yeah. It is um, BB. Yeah. For a sorcery. Yeah. 
what do you think it could possibly do? Oh, I don't know. Pick four cards in your graveyard. Uh, if you have a Bolas Planeswalker, keep them. If you don't, your opponent picks two and you keep those. Okay, so... Is that what it does? No. No. Is that a different card? Uh, maybe. Yeah. So, let's see. Take a... Do you think that card that you described is better or worse than the card you're imagining? I think the card that I described is worse because this only costs BB. Okay. The Elder Spell. Yeah. BB. Sorcery. Destroy any number of target Planeswalkers. Choose a Planeswalker you control. Put two loyalty counters on it for each Planeswalker destroyed this way. I mean, this is a super high high variability card. This is a Masterminds Acquisition card, if there ever was one. Yeah, I mean, this isn't a regular <laughs> card. Like, you just wouldn't play this. It's not like Angry... Is it Angrath's Rage? Like, that card, you just go... It's this awesome card. You know, you just play it. Yeah. This card's sweet. Yeah, but, like, it's it's like you said. Like, it needs to be cheap because you need to Masterminds Acquisition. <laughs> You're, you're pot but, committed for four. But, I mean, again, there's all these new static ability Planeswalkers. Like, what percentage of the play? Like, do, do you think we'll see a lot more Planeswalkers in play in Constructed? Yeah, for sure. I mean, more than we have, for sure. So They're changing the incentives of the game. Right. So this, I mean, I just look at, first of all, all-time all time hostile for Counterspells, all-time hostile for red aggro and standard. I, <laughs> I can't even imagine playing red aggro. It's so bad. Like, every card so is just you, so super you think, hostile. So you think everything coming out, there's, like, all this stuff, all these cool Planeswalkers coming out, so you think it's just a super hostile time to play Planeswalkers? No. I think it's just going to be, like, super mud. It's just mud. Everything's just, like, on the ground. Everything's mucked up. Just, like, I'm going to get value. Do you like this card? I, I don't know. Yeah, sure. It's yeah? Fine. I don't know if I'd play it. I mean, if I'd play it, maybe if I were, like, li- literally playing an acquisition deck. Yeah. You know? Oh, man, did you see your turn three kill for mono-red decks? No. I mean, like, obviously you already you already have plenty of turn three kills. In standard, uh, I do? No, in, it's modern. Oh. That's not exciting. There's so many. Is it with that new card that lets you double stuff from RR? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I would just never play that card. You wouldn't? No. It's, it's like, that's just like a that's like a Johnny Timmy play. Finale of Promise, XRR, sorcery. You may cast up to one target instant card and up to one target sorcery card from your graveyard, each with converted mana cost X or less without paying their mana costs. If a card cast this way would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile instead. If X is ten or more, copy each of those spells twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. Okay, let me refine. I just wouldn't play it in a red aggro deck. I'm sure there's some goobery thing you could do with this that makes it hella exciting. But, so, the, the example that was provided on Twitter was, turn one Swift Spear, yeah. attack for one. Turn two, spike uh, bolt. Lava Spike, Bolt you, yeah. yeah. You know, attack for eight now, yeah. to nine, and then next turn, do this, get them both back. And Wow, imagine you just didn't have this card in your deck, you just had more one casting cost spells. <laughs> I mean, you, look, it would be you would do so much better because like if you don't have exactly it's not just that having those cards it's having the that sequence and this doesn't even get you out from under of a uh, like a rift this doesn't but I'm saying this doesn't even get you out from under 
a a chalice. A chalice. You'll counter your. Because you still have to counter the cards. Not, <laughs> it's just not good. Like I don't. The card's sweet. Yeah, I mean, I I think maybe you could just play it in a goobery game, right? Sure. Like, but not like in a, you know, if I'm gonna eat just tons of peanuts. I can butter. actually play like the suspend wheel of fortune off of this, right? Yeah. If it's in your graveyard. That's what I'm saying. If it's in my graveyard. Yeah, I mean, like, there's just like the same with the 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 horde death horde arcanist. That guy's pretty exciting, but I don't think he's a good red aggro. Right. Right, like. People are like, oh, play him in red aggro. Why? He's like a two-casting-cost creature that doesn't damage your opponent immediately. He's just a giant lightning rod. Like, right. if, you're, if you're already winning, you'll win hugely if you have it. That's true. Yeah. But, it, like, you know, he's just not He's not going to help you win the average game, I don't think. We, we've not talked about the raise boar. He's like the shittiest god, though, right? Is he? Yeah. Three RR for a 6-6 six, six trample. Whenever the raised boar attacks, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking, return that creature to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. And then he has the talk ability that all the... All the yeah, like, I mean... Eternal go- like, uh, God's Eternal... There's have. certainly exciting stuff you can do. If you have an Emrakul in your hand, you can put him in and he's, like, tapped and attacking or a Titan or something like that. But those aren't or really... Or in Cuba, Muldrifter. Yeah, like, but those aren't really standard applicable plays. Sure. Right? And, like, he's, like... A 6-6 six, six for 5, which is, I guess, great. But, like, I mean, how, how volatile of creatures are you going to play just to be able to exploit the razor? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I'm going to loosen this at FNM. Somebody's going to be like, oh, I'm gone. Palaga Worm. Palaga, can you imagine Palaga Worm bouncing in and out of the battlefield? Thrag Tusk is a good one, right? Sure, Thrag Tusk sure. will trigger every which way. Um, the Green God. Yeah. The wake god. <laughs> green gods, green gods, real good with with him. But like, he's like, you see, he's just like super setup reliant, right? Like the green god, you play him. If you had other guys, they're just huge and they're gonna smash, right? This guy, they just kill him before combat and never got to do his thing. Yeah, you chuck him. Kill him, yeah. Yeah. But like, everyone is gonna have high powered stuff, right? Right. What did you think? There's a new... I'm trying to figure, find out where it is in here, but there's basically a new Sleth Firewalker, right? Yeah, Black Red. It's like way down. Oh, he's, he's, he's BR? Yep. That's why I couldn't find him before. Oh, yeah, the Dreadhorde Butcher. Is this a card that's interesting to you? This, this has been a card you've played with at various points in your magic career when it was... Yeah, he has a dead trigger, right? Yeah. So it's red-black for a 1-1 haste. Whenever Dreadboard Butcher deals combat damage to a player or a Planeswalker, which is kind of a new... Yeah, important little wrinkle. uh, You put a plus-one, plus-one counter on the Butcher. So very Sleth Firewalker in that that respect. Although I don't think Sleth Firewalker would do anything if it attacked a Planeswalker. No. Uh, then when Dreadhorde Butcher dies, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. Yeah, that's a nice extra. <laughs> because, look, a lot of the time, like, you were getting beat up by the Sith Firewalker, and you could get rid of it, but, like, yeah. now if it's, like, a 4-4, four, four, you're just taking it on the face. Right. Yeah. Right. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm really into the Amass cards, I gotta tell you. Really? Yeah. What, what do you like so much about them? I mean, look at that one. Invade the City. Like, that card is... down... Right there. Okay, we talked about this card already. Yeah, it, it's it's really it's really powerful. Uh, I mean, I think like you have to compare it to a Drake, right? Right. Uh, 
That was the case you made the other day when we talked about so, it. So, all right. So, is the is the blue one the six casting cost blue one up? I mean, we just look at this one. Enter the oh the the, the draw two cards one. Yeah. Six casting costs uncounterable, draw two cards, and mass for number of cards in hand. Yeah. It's fail state is six mana, draw two cards, make a two-two. Right. That's its worst case scenario. Yes. I'm in for that card, by the way. <laughs> All right. It might be in make a nine-nine. So sure. okay, so like just imagine this reasonable sequence. I cast that card, which is uncounter, by the way. I make a nine-nine, untap and cast the wrath. So now I have an eleven-eleven. You have no blockers, because I killed all non-armies. Yeah. And I just swing for eleven. How many, and I have my mana open, and I just drew two cards. What do you think the likelihood of you winning is this game? What am I at? <laughs> 20. Uh, Where's the advantage bar going? <laughs> Not great, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. You were at 20 a second ago. I mean, like, this, it's like, this card is also very good. Look at that. Enter the God Eternals. Enter the God Eternals. To UUB for a sorcery. Enter the God Eternals. Deals four damage to target creature. And you gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. Target player puts top four cards of their library into their graveyard. Amass four. I mean, is that enough stuff? It's a lot of stuff. So it's five Why mana. does target player need to put the top four cards of their library no into their idea. graveyard? No idea. No idea. But, um, I don't know. Maybe I have phoenixes in my deck. Oh, sure. So. Um, Probably why it's black-blue. Yeah, but it's black-blue-red. Yeah, Grixis. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, um, I mean... Kill a guy, drain for four, make a four four for four for five. Like, forget about the milling ability, which I'll probably use on myself most of the time. Yeah. Like, how how is that a real card? Right. Alright. That's like absurd. So our good friend, Will Price. Will Price of Progress. Was playing a Masterminds acquisition deck. He was streaming it for a while on Arena. You know he streams, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, Does he have a lot of viewers? Fair, decent, you know, yeah. handful. Yeah. You know, I've watched him a couple times. I don't watch a ton of streams. I enjoy seeing Will play Magic. I would watch him play. Uh, and so he was streaming the Masterminds Acquisition deck, which was like a mono black deck. Oh, had, mono like, black? But had like access to all five colors, partially because of, um, what is it, Prismatic Lantern? Whatever it is. Right? So, what do you think of Niv Mizzet Reborn? I'm not that excited by this card. <laughs> I think people are, like, super hype about it, but, like, eh, whatever. Yeah? I mean, it's 6-6 six, six for a 5, for 5 mana for 6-6. Six, six. For a draw 10? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe it's a draw... But, hey, like... What? What? Have you done the math on it? Like, how many uncastables do I have to have in my deck in order to draw anything? And he's impossible to cast. I mean, like... First of all, you are my, talking to the dragon ten. guy. Draw 10. I am literally... <laughs> The dummy about dragons player. I mean, I guess between Dragon Horde and Sarkin, he's pretty castable. But you're. But if you're going to play Dragon Horde and Sarkin, you're not going to get that much payoff. I just want to remind you that Ilharg the Raiseborn can also put him into play. Okay. I'm willing, I'm willing to lose to the Raiseborn in this context. Yeah, you're a pretty great turn. Right, tap him with raise board, put him into play, tapped and attacked. Yeah, but like, look at all the, like you could just say, what's like the Death Blossom? What's the name of that? The black green, forecasting cost banishing that. Yeah, it, does, growth. it just puts the cards in your hand. By the way, it doesn't this even thing? let you play them. No, but you also have to have nonstop on castables in your deck to draw ten. Right, like what cards are we talking about here? 
I can have a Pledge of Unity, a, a Neo form, it's gonna a be... Living Twister. I'm just going to look at this. Yeah, like, it's just all uncastable garbage. Like, the thing is, like, you just want to lose the average game to White Weenie? Go ahead. Play these cards. Uh, how much do you like Solar Blaze as a, as a Wrath? Um... Something, and something that's build aroundable. I think that Solar Blaze is playable. 2BR, I'm, I'm sorry, 2RW for sorcery. Each creature deals damage equal to itself, equal to, damage to itself equal to its power. Yeah, so it's like a wave of reckoning, is that the name of it? I guess so, yeah. For one less mana, but it has to be red. Uh, so I thought this might be like the Unseater of Esper, because I think like Esper kind of took the default control spot in Standard on account of Kai's Wrath, which is such yeah. an important one powerful tool. This card is way less hard on your mana than Kaya's Wrath. Right. Right only requires RW instead right. of WW and BB. Right. So, um, but I, I don't know. I'm a little loose on this card just because it's not that much better than Deafening Clarion, but it is also less exploitable than Deafening Clarion. So, imagine you have Aurelia. Aurelia gets along with this card very well, right? But Aurelia really gets along with Deafening Clarion, right? Like, Deafening Clarion won't kill Aurelia, but it will also give Aurelia a lifeline. This will just beat Aurelia up a little bit. Sure. But if your, your opponent has all kind of straightforward, power yeah. toughness aligned creatures. The, the other thing is, I think, like, there's just a ton of creatures. I made a list actually last week. I have the list somewhere. Um, of, like, pretty commonly played creatures that it just won't kill. Okay. Um, so that's so that I think is a, a potential issue. Like, let's say your opponent were playing. Let me see if I have my list handy. I, mean, I I don't know if I emailed it to myself, but this is the kind of thing I do. Make a list of uh, yeah of cards that uh, will be way less good. Like, if your opponent has an Aurelia, obviously it's gonna it's not gonna be good. I don't have it handy, but just believe me, there are a lot of commonly played creatures, like three fours, and like yeah. there's tons of dinosaurs actually, right? So like the Brontodon, sure, won't kill itself, stuff like that. So what are the cards that have stood out for you so far? Ingress Rampage is super good. So BR uh, Sorcery, choose one, a best of one Q or a best of three Q. I'll choose a best of one Q because. I get to choose three modes for this, one yeah. of three modes for this. So, uh, target player sacrifices an artifact, target player sacrifices a creature, or target player sacrifices a planeswalker. So, so super, super flexible card. Even if your opponent maybe has two creatures and they're kind of pretty equal, they might still have an artifact or a planeswalker, or they're just certain matchups where your opponent only has... Well, for one thing, you can aim, right? So yeah. this is the kind of card that you could just sideboard and be like, all right, I need some random artifact removal. I guess this is going to be it. But the reason that this card is good is it just, like, annihilates boggles. No matter which boggle they have, it'll kill it. And the thing is, like, um, like boggles is, like, the worst matchup for burn in modern. So, I mean, sort of. I mean, they, they can still just sit on fetch land for... Uh, for the, for the land. All right, why don't I wait until I have three mana? So well, then you, might, play, you, then might, need to, you might need to do that. Okay. Yeah, all right, so if we're going to play, like, this slow-ass game, I'm pretty sure they're not going to win the slow-ass game. 
right? Like, that's the... Yeah. Like, they need to just, like, get the guy... Like, like half the time, you just, like, thought seize their boggle on turn one, and then then they just draw another one. Also, one of the things I like about this card is the way, the way it plays is, you know, think about all the time someone's like, play my uh, Gideon hero of whatever, whatever. Zendikar, yeah. right? Make a token, go. And name you're like, and, then, and so you, well, you could name Planeswalker, but you could also just name Creature here and attack the Planeswalker and get both. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you could. You, you have the ability to actually make some tactical decisions between Creature and Planeswalker. So I think this card is, like, good because it's costed correctly for just killing an artifact or whatever creature. Like, it's, like, very Dreadborish or whatever. And, like, it's not, like, so exciting from its effects relevant to to its mana cost, but it is really exciting for its ability to kill a bomb. Yeah. I mean, that's really the... Yeah, I mean, there's also a Diabolic Edict in the set, right? Isn't there just straight-up Diabolic Edict? Well, it's double Diabolic Edict. That, that card's also going to be awesome in Modern, because people play Liliana Planeswalkers. Right. Uh, uh, well, the other... I think, like, the best card in the set is probably Feather. This card's really stupid. So what, what, are, you, what are you going to do with Feather? I was talking to Zvi about this the other day. So there's a Dinosaur card that's, like, deal two to my guy, deal four to your guy. Sure. Um... Feather's unbeatable if you have that card. If they, sure, there's if they don't also, have damage base removal. There's also Thrash Threat, by the way. Oh, that's V's card, right? Yeah. So Thrash Threat is uh, Gruel Gruel, uh, target creature you control deals damage to target creature you don't control. It's an instant, which is yeah. also nice. So that works really well with Feather. So uh, that one... Assuming like, you can get the white, white, red, and another that's red. That's probably not that hard. Yeah. The, but the thing is, like, Feather, like, with this the single red for like the dinosaur card. It's like slaughter with buyback for only one mana. That's really, really good. Um, you know. Which card? It's R. Deal two to a creature you control and four to a creature you don't sure. control. Yeah. So this is slaughter with buyback, you can do it every turn. And then there's like just loops you can do in like modern, for example. If you have four mana, you could just lightning helix feather every turn. Like lightning helix feather on my turn. Get back the helix lightning field helix feather on your turn. Like every sure. every loop. Like, if you're playing against humans, for example, they probably can't beat that. Because, like, what are they going to do? Attack into Feather? Feather's bigger than every creature in their deck. Sure. It's literally a 3 fourths bigger than every creature in their deck. And we're positing a situation where I'm holding the Lightning Helix. <laughs> right? Like, they're... Like, this card is just so insane. And then there's a card called Aurelius Fury, which is uh, RWX. Do you, uh, split X amongst any number of targets? Oh, God. But it's a Bayance Fireball. Oh, so, yeah, so any type of split Fireball so, is pretty insane here. Yeah, so if I have four mana, I just, like, hit Feather for one and hit you for one. Right. I, I obviously buy back every turn, but then you're advanced. So if I just, like... Because it advances your opponent if oh. you hit them. So, like, I just, like... If I have Feather in play, untap with Feather, I'm just like, all right, on your upkeep, Aurelius Fury, split one and one. Okay. I'm in. It's, like, unbeatable, right? I mean... Some matchups. Sure. Like, if you're playing, it's, like, a... They still get to respond to your Aurelius Fury and maybe kill your... Feather. Yeah, but like a sorcery speed combo deck, for example, can't really be. Sure. That. So, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Like Storm, for example. I mean, in the situation we're talking about, you could just kill their their like goblin pyromancer or whatever. Uh, goblin pyromancer, rather. Sure. But, like, it's it's pretty cool. Like, you can't. They're never going to be in a situation where they're like chaining rituals or right. casting passive flames. Or they sure. can't, literally sure. can't do it. Yeah. So. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Patrick came up with that. Yeah, that's awesome. I think this card's probably, probably the best card in the set. Like, a 3-4 flyer for 3, like, if you're... Normally, you'd be like, 
what's wrong with it, right? Like, does it damage me every turn or something? This thing has an insane draw engine attached instead. Right, I think Rabid Bite is still legal and standard, by the way. Is that just a... That's just a, like, target creature deals damage. You know, I think it's just green and one in case the... For some reason, you wanted to go that direction, but... There's still, there's plenty of cards you can... uh, You can pick, I'm sure. Is there anything that lets you... Trying to think. I don't know. Plenty of stuff you can do with it. That's cool. I like the Aurelius Fury. Yeah, it's really powerful, right? So what does it cost to Aurelius Fury every turn? Uh, well, it's RWX. Right. So if you have four mana, I don't know. Yeah, and then it always... Fear, it always... It advances if you hit, if you hit a person with it. Right. You can hit a creature. That's pretty good, right? And you could yeah. just have it, right? Like, yeah, I mean, against some decks, that's just going to be a, like, like... A random X spell's not bad. Like, against a Tron deck? Well, like, I good. don't know what format you're doing this in, but... Modern. Yeah. But Tron deck can't be bad. Yeah, Tron deck could never beat this, right? Yeah, like... I mean, they could just cast Worm Coil Engines, right? You cast creatures. Oh, you can still cast creatures? Yeah. Okay. But, like, I don't know. You could probably beat their creatures. That's not much of an advance. It's a pretty solid advance. I mean, they can't do any of their nonsense. Yeah. They can't cast any all their spheres and their sure. cards. Like, the, typically those decks are being used with, like, Ugins and Karns and stuff. Like, I mean, what kind of red-white control deck are you you can't beat a 6-6 six, six for 6? I mean, come on. I played a game of Cube today with uh, Zvi, and we were totally taking control of the game the whole way, and, but he couldn't. I'm looking at a really Shiri, by the way. Yeah, non-creature spells. That's cool. Uh, and Z, like Z's taking control of the game, but they've just been kind of like eating a creature every turn with a worm coil engine or yeah. like whatever. And so they're at like seventy-five, and we're at five, but we're we're like not in any danger of dying. Yeah. But and we only have like six cards left in our library. We've just regrown Karn, and Z's like, I don't think I can win this game. Can you but win I the next can, one? I can restart it. And we restarted it. We went again that game. Yeah. Well, we started with a rampaging Bayloth and two lands under the... <laughs> under, the under the card. That's solid. So you were hanging out with Zvi a lot now? Yeah. Why is that? I'm working with him. Oh, working uh, Yeah, yeah we're him. working together. I thought that your, uh, you know, grand leaving of uh, full-time coverage was just to do this podcast. No, 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 no. Other people have thought of st- start a cookie store. Oh. It's not. But yeah, no, Z and I are making games and doing fun stuff, so. But, uh, but yeah, and sometimes, research. Huh? We're researching fun games. Oh, okay. So you gotta play some magic. Oh, there you go. Makes sense. Yeah. They pay you for that? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like, uh, you know, I like the, the, to draft the control decks for the good hourly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Very rarely. Once in a while. So, um, what are you, uh, what are you looking forward to in this set the most? What you, what's yeah, I, I, I don't know. This, set, this set's like, it's been pretty crazy. It's like, it's an overwhelming amount of powerful cards. It's like very power creepy to me. Yeah. I think the, the, the high-end cards are so powerful. Uh, I'm trying to think of which card had me the most excited. I mean, probably the, like, 
And have, um, the new Chandra is awesome. It's just awesome. Chandra Fire Artisan? Yeah. Whenever one or more loyalty counters remove Chandra, she deals that much damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Like, imagine Chandra has three loyalty, right? You lightning yeah. strike it, she strikes you right back. Yeah. Uh, exile the top card of your library. You may play it. This turn is the plus one. And then minus seven, exile the top seven cards of your library. You may play them this turn. So it's, just, it's a wheel that does seven. Yeah. So it always does yeah. seven. And is a wheel. Yeah. Um, that one's real good. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's been, there's just so many stupid cards. It's really hard to figure. I love Massacre Girl. All I right. mean, I understand that it's not a huge standard card. I just love this card. So I think if you just give Massacre Girl a little help, she's awesome. Right. If you just, like, have, like, a 1-1 one, one on your team when you play Massacre Girl, she'll get the party started. You sure. You need 1-1-1. One, one, one. And what if that 1-1 one, one is, like, uh, you know... Footlight Fiend or whatever that guy's called that deals one damage when he dies. Well, there's a or you have there's a, a red Amass guy. Or, or there's an Amass guy or there's, um, I mean, there's also Tybalt Rakish Instigator, right? Who makes one ones that have when this creature dies it deals one damage to any target. Yeah. So, you know, you can jump your Masker oh, Girl curve her, three, three, from right. the ones to the threes if you had to. Masker Girl is going to be the most popular cosplay, right? I mean, prop, I mean, I mean, you got to go a long way to beat Nissa or Liliana. I'll be honest; those are very popular cosplays. People love their Liliana. You know, Bolas's Citadel is probably the card that's most exciting to me, just because it's it's just it just feels super dangerous, extraordinarily it's, dumb. It's it's the so like as as a game designer, yeah, I have my perimeter that I set for myself, right? Like, this is about how dangerous I want a card to be, you know? This is inside that perimeter. It's too powerful. Like, or it just feels like, obviously, look, obviously they've tested this card, and... But I did, rem I do remember saying that when Splinter Twin was printed. I was like, they... This card, in fact, I may have even had the same exact conversation with you, where I'm like... Was I like, hey, this seems like a pretty obvious fourth turn kill. Yeah, no, we <laughs> like, both were, and I'm like, this is definitely inside my perimeter. But they've probably playtested this. Turns out they actually hadn't playtested it. I with, won a 5K. Yeah, but... Um, Go figure. But this, I'm sure they, I'm sure this has been played. And it's obviously, six is a lot of mana. And the formats that it's the most dangerous in are sort of okay for cards to be dangerous in... I mean, nobody's going to play this in... Well, I don't know. Nobody's the wrong word. People, like... I mean, what if you just had, like, third turn Wilderness Reclamation, like, fourth turn Nyssa? Like, is that... I mean, Wilderness Reclamation is so dumb. They didn't ban that. Right. But it also hasn't blown up the world yet. Yeah. Right? It's, it's... They literally had to ban a card on... <laughs> On arena because. Yeah, but that felt that felt more. That card had been legal for quite a while before Wilderness Reclamation. Wilderness Reclamation literally got a card banned on arena. Fair, they, but in best of, only in best of one. Yeah, but that's what everyone plays. Sure. It's like ah oh, yeah, we changed the language, but only English. And you tell you what, only American English. It doesn't there's tons of other languages people speak, right? Like. Doesn't matter. How do, you, how do you feel about Kaya's ghost form? 
When you ask me how I feel, like, I don't feel anything about yeah. Kaya's Ghost Form. You soulless bastard. You want me to tell you which cards I feel something about? Yeah. That six cast, it costs a mask card. The, the Wrath of Mask card. Yeah. Those ones, I mean... I think any of the of the returning gods, the zombie gods, those things yeah. are dopey. All of them. Well, not Bantu. Yeah. Bantu's only fine. Like, Bantu obviously has a super high return, but, like, its cost is enormous. So God Eternal Bantu is 3 BB for 5-6 legendary zombie god menace. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of other permanents. You then draw that many cards. When God Eternal Bantu dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it on top of its owner's library, third from the top. So, what 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 are you doing to make things to sacrifice to this? That's my point, right? Tibble. You gotta work. I feel like you're just you're just like sacrificing real resources what about, for differently zoned real resources. What, what about um, what's the card that that makes the goblin tokens equal to the number of copies of that card in your graveyard? Yeah, whatever that card is. I mean. It's you're just working. Like, sure. Like, compare that. Ronus is not by the way, work. By the way, greedily, you you always sacrifice one land. Greedily. Yeah, see, that's You the always thing. sacrifice like, all land. Draw into another Some land. number of permanents yeah. and one of course, land. Of course, of course you do. <laughs> Terrible. At least one land. Let me amend my statement. Maybe you, like, maybe you could just sacrifice your army and then get a new army via a mass. You could. Or, like, I guess there's, like, a bunch of Hunted Witness-type cards you can have. Right. There's a red one. Yeah. And there, I mean, and there's right. There's certainly white, and there's certainly plenty of things that make tokens. I mean, you know, could have Judith in play. You can just cast this to sacrifice your squad. Right. Machine gun people's face. Sweet. I like this card. I mean, on its face, it's less powerful than some of the other god thingy boppers. Sure. The triumph star. I, mean, I think Nyssa's triumph is really good. I think like Jace's triumph is only. Eh. Gideon's triumph is pretty good. Gideon's triumph is really good. Which one's Jace's Triumph? It's like Divination. It's like Div- Divination or Draw 3. Jace's Triumph, draw two cards if you control a Jace. Draw three cards instead. Right. So it's a upgraded it's a, Divination. It's a barely upgraded Divination. I mean, you have to have a Jace Planeswalker in play. Yeah. I didn't, what, what about... You, you, you think if you have a Jace Planeswalker in play, that your, your choke point is how many cards you have in hand? Like, it's just not that good of a card. What about Kasmina, Enigmatic Mentor? Four, three and a blue for a five loyalty planeswalker. Uh, it has a static ability, spells your opponent's cast, a targeted creature, a planeswalker you control. Costs two more to cast. And then it has minus two, create a two two blue wizard creature token, then loot a card. And so it's got like the Frost Titan ability? Yeah. Except not the good Frost Titan ability. How much does it cost? Three and a blue. How much loyalty does it have? Five. How many tokens can I plausibly make? Two without proliferating. This card's garbage. <laughs> I got <laughs> Just checking. It's just not good in any way. You know what card's good? Lazo tip plating. It's, shockingly, it says a mass. Yes. Uh, yeah, this is classic card that the Top 8 Magic Podcast has been fond of. Well, it counters... It literally counters Banefire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like... Like, counter Banefire, make a dude. One one and a blue for instant. A mass one. You and permanence you control gain hexproof until the end of the turn. Yeah. 
counter this anything. A, this is a classic. This is really like a classic. It's just uh, like a negate. Yeah. If only this cycled and existed when you played in Los Angeles read it or again. something. Just read it out loud. Amass one. Okay. You and permanent you control gain hexproof until I determine. Just cast it. Yeah. And doesn't need a cycle. I know, but you like cycling. Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm just, I'm just like, can you imagine, like, if this were, like, a movie, like, your opponent's got, like, their, their, like, sapling armies there, right? You're, like, defenseless, and you're, like, all right, give myself hexproof on tap, and you cast, like, the black, red, and mask card. Your, your, your formerly tiny guy gets super big, and then kills their whole squad. Oh, they hook you with this set, huh? I like a mask. Yeah. A lot. I think I like, might be a Vorthos bunny. <laughs> Why are you a Vorthos bunny? I got like, you know, floppy ears and a little cotton tail in my, in my closet. Don't tell my kids they're never going to look at me the same way again. I don't like all the masks. I don't like the Amass Hill Giant. No. Yeah, I'm not sure about some of the Amass cards that are just like, this one, this is like a crappy creature, but it gives all your other Amass stuff flying or something. But you only have one other army, so. Yeah. I don't think that any of them are really that good. Just looking through this. But I really like a mask. I think that, like, the Dreadhorde Invasion is really good. Right, that's the sort of bitter blossoming card, assuming yeah, that you're doing that. It's much, much worse yeah. than bitter blossom. Yeah. Let's be clear. Even if you were making a 1-1 one, one every turn, they wouldn't fly, right? Right. And then separately, most of the time you're not making a plus one. You're making one, you're just giving somebody plus one sure. plus one. So, like, if you've got, like, a pacifism on somebody's mass thing, right, like, that's the worst in the world for them. They're just yeah. stuck. Are you, uh, are you going to play in the pre-release? When is it? Uh, 26th. Probably not. I might have to be in Phoenix, Arizona on the 25th. Okay. And then I might... You could probably find a place in Phoenix to play. Well, and that's the 25th. Yeah. Then I might have to, uh... Then I might have to, uh be in uh, San Diego that week also. Okay. That's right. Um, so, yeah, maybe that'll ruin Artifact Games, pretty good shop to pre-release in San Diego. Where is that? In San Diego. I don't know what my plans are yet. I'm just telling you. Like, it's a little inopportune for me. I would love to pre-release. Yeah. I like to pre-release the midnight pre-release. Ah. I like to do that I will probably pre-release the complete strategist with the gang. Yeah, I did that one with you before, yeah. and we ate Bonchon. Yeah, that's that is it is the Bonchon gang. Make, yeah, make no mistake. Wasn't Kevin on with us the last time when I? Yeah, but Kevin on has since now opened he's on up his a own store. Store. Yes, I might go. There's a possibility of going to Kevin's store also. Yeah, good games out in Queens, which is a pretty nice shop. So. Yeah, I played there. I tell you? Yeah. I played literally the worst deck of Oh, yeah, you did tell me. That was the whole, it was basically the subject of our last podcast. It was a really I terrible remember. deck. It's terrible. Yeah. Are you like me to rehash it? I will. No, I don't. Not I actually, good. I actually have already heard more about it for the second time than I care to. Yeah, okay. It was not a good deck. Yeah. Don't play it. Mono Red Prison and Legacy, not good. Um, what advice do you have for people going to a pre release um, about how to play with this set, how I mean, to the build a deck? The rules have changed, man. You have to know everything. The only reason you have to know everything is because everybody else, you have to assume they know everything. Like, the, gone are the days you just show up and just try to put cards in your deck, right? You wrote I mean, the pre-release primer. Yeah. 
used to be like, oh, wow, I like to play Magic. I'm going to just go and play in a casual environment. Now everybody has every every single card access. Right. So, like, you got to know, right? I think you want to know things like, well, every pack has a Planeswalker, right? Right. I think this is going to be a weird sealed deck for me. Yeah. Because any Planeswalker is, like, unbeatable. What do you... What, so, what, so, let's... Obviously, you have limited time when you play in a Magic event, right? Yeah. Like, to prepare, right? You, you know, you're busy, you're obviously traveling, you have kids, you have a wife. Yeah. You have multiple other podcasts you need to look after. Tons, yeah. Uh, when you're prepared... When you're searching out all this information, what, what do you focus on when you're looking at the set before you go into a pre-release? I like, mean, what's the information you want to take? You want to know about what? Combat tricks? You want to know about removal spells? What do you okay, want to Okay, these are for? the biases you should have. I would say, for this set only, bias towards blue. Oftentimes, there's like, sometimes you say like, M10, for example, should always play blue 100% of the time. If variation from blue is the main reason that you wouldn't win. Um, people like, I got the best red green deck in the world. Yeah, mediocre blue deck just beat you. Okay, um, but I would bias towards blue because I think there's going to be a lot of key cards in everybody's decks because every every single player is going to have like three plus planeswalkers if they want them. Right? Sure. So if you can lace together a deck with those planeswalkers, blue is usually the color that's going to help you get you there with like selection and card drawing. Separately, bias towards green. Uh, the bias towards green is kind of like a weird thing for limited because sometimes you just like have too much mana <clears throat> but there are cards in this set that are like dig for a permanent again if that permanent is a sick planeswalker um that's good all other things held equal play all the removal that you can <laughs> in your colors uh at least efficient removal but also other things held equal a bomb creature is better than any other kind of bomb. it's a bomb creature well i don't know i don't know about between a bomb creature and a bomb planeswalker because a bomb creature is better than a bomb removal spell or a bomb just regular spell because it can get value every turn, right? A bomb a bomb removal spell gets value once. Right. So all other things held equal, you know, their bomb removal spell might beat your bomb creature, but if you only have your bomb creature, you're going to beat them. If they only have their bomb removal spell, they're going to spend it on, like, your crappy creature. Right, right. So bomb creature is the best. Play all your removal and bias towards blue and green. That's what I think. Right. Um... I would say also just like look for all the Rube Goldberg machines. Like, I feel like this set is gonna have a lot of like, like weird combos and things that are, I really feel like you're gonna be rewarded for finding oddball synergies. Like we talked about Feather before, and you know maybe you have a card like Chandra's Fire uh, Pyrohelix, and you actually just like get to kill your opponent over the course of a couple turns on a stalemated board uh, with Pyro Helix. Yeah, you that's just hot. split it one-on-one. So right? here's the thing that's super I've dumb. I've definitely poked people to death in pre-releases before with they, cards. They, they, they spoiled Chandra's Pyro Helix like five minutes before spoiling Jaya's greeting, right? Who wants to be greeted by Jaya? <laughs> what is this? It's the worst. Yeah. There's so much good removal. Yeah. There's a ton of bomb removal. Yeah. Um, I think, like, the people who are going to be most likely like, to... I would say also bias your colors towards things that can deal with Planeswalkers. I mean, I know that that sounds super obvious, but if that's where your good Planeswalker removal is, like, then I, I would make a real attempt to accommodate that color in your pool. Like, last summer I won, like, a pre-release for, like, I think, Ixalan, maybe. Sure. Uh, I played, like, red-white... 
Um, it was the set with Settle the Wreckage. Like, I just had... I just had, like, a really good synergistic creature curve and four copies of the pacifism that gains two life. Sure. I think I went, like, XOXO. XO to XO, right? Yeah. Like, I think I lost no games. Like, but that, that, that had everything that you would want. I was in two colors, so my mana was better, right? And I had a ton of good removal and a ton of creatures that were good. Oh, here, here's a nice card that, that works with Bomb 2. What? Cranko the Tin Street Kingpin. He's not, why isn't he wearing, like, a white jacket? I don't know. I don't, he should a, be, Will. He should be. But uh, whenever he attacks, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and then you create a number of one, one red goblin creature tokens equal to his power. Uh, it's a one, two for three mana, but taxes a two, three, and makes two goblins. You think that's a good card? I don't know. I like this card. I think it's all right. Seems fine. It's like the it's like the red cordling outburst. <laughs> I mean, it needs to live. That's it's like a brimaz, right? That's tricky. It's a little. It's, I think it's a little fragile for its cost. Yeah. Two toughness for three better be doing something a little more impressive than that to sure. start. And it only one of the attacks. Yeah, one of the attacks is a two-three, but I don't know. He's a, he's a slight, maybe slightly better than the Legion War boss. I mean. He has to attack, right? He does. I mean, what is his likelihood of living through the, the attack? I don't know. You know, you, you, he doesn't have a. He doesn't have to attack. Yeah, he but choose. then he doesn't have to gain value. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. He could just. He could be. You know how they're like. I gave this guy seven gold coins. I gave this guy seven gold coins. I gave this guy. This one doubled it. This one lost it all, but at least he tried. And then the one who buried it and then gave me my seven gold coins back, I threw into hell. You know that. You know that story. No, to but, attack. Ooh, here's here's a here's the thing you need to remember this weekend. Yeah. This is very important. Two weekends from now. Two weekends from now. Turret ogre has reach. I'm just telling you right now. If you just say this to yourself once a day, yeah. Between now and the pre-release, it will win you a game. Turret ogre has reach. Yes. That cat is big enough to take down Feather in combat. I understand. People are going to forget this. People are going to forget that that has reach. Red creatures don't have reach. Well, some of them do. And they're usually usually good for eating at least two creatures a game at the (laughs) pre-release. Man, you are cynical. I'm not... I'm telling you, what was the... There was the one in Amonkhet. It was like... Uh, a 2-3 creature for 3 and you could pump its power and it had reach and people would just run their 2-2 two, two flyer into yes, it yes all the time for weeks I, I mean it was like one of the remember we were talking about the mythic invitation I said I had like 5 hours to prepare yeah and so I practiced a little bit with my gruel deck and I'm like you know I don't think any of my opponents at the invitational are going to attack their 1-1 flyer into my Kral Harpooner. But I but. sure but I sure hope they do. <laughs> but, because that's what's happening in the queues right now. Oh, oh wait. I just want to shout out to, you know how there's like Surge Mare? How yeah. is no one talking about Lightning Mare? Oh, yeah? That card, it's like the best card that no one talks, it's not about no one plays. It made top eight of a Grand Prix not that long ago. The card is insane. It's, 
That that cycle has done pretty well for itself. But like Lightning Mare is insane. Yeah, why is it? What's so insane about it? Can't be blocked by blue creatures, <laughs> and it pumps. Yeah. Like if you just stick, it can't be countered, right? I don't remember. I think it, no, it can be countered. The, the other one can't be countered. All right, so fine. This one can be countered. But if it comes down, it's, only, it's RR, it's super cheap for a 3 1, can't be blocked by blue creatures. I think you just play it on turn two and then they die. Sure. Like, how do they beat you? How many Tempest Gins do they need to draw to race a thing? It, it pumps. They, they just need to Coral Trickster it in combat. Or Merfolk Trickster it in combat, right? All right. Thanks for ruining his career. Sorry. That guy was going to be a high draft pick. Yeah. He had a shoe deal. Yeah, no, no, no. Bad ankles. <laughs> Bad ankles. Do not talk about my new player <laughs> this way. Nike is going to pay for that. Can we call this episode Turret Ogre Has Reach? Done. Okay, good. Turret Ogre Has Reach. I'm going to root so many people's pre-release by saying Have you that. seen Shazam yet? I haven't. You're the one who's all excited. I went to go see Shazam because you were posting pictures I was gonna go, I from was, I was, DC Universe. I was going to go see it, and then I had a lot of work to do. And then I couldn't go. So I have not seen it, and I haven't seen um, Hellboy, which I would go see now if you wanted to go see it. I would see Hellboy, except for it's got panned. Um, I saw a couple people on Twitter who I trust reasonably today say, I don't understand why everyone's being so rough on it. I have no interest in seeing it. Fine. I'll go home and continue to reread Alan Moore's film things. Oh, wow. What What a rough life. So I bought, like, a bunch of those things. Are, are you saying I am dumb because I bought them? Because no, of getting I, I, still want, I still want to own those. No, I own digital copies. Oh, yeah, you're dumb. I mean, not really, right? Like, I own some physical and digital copies of the same books. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I just want to have it in my pocket. Yeah. I have it right on here. Um, you can download them, too, and, you know... Yeah, I literally have the entire run of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing in my pocket right now because it is downloaded on my phone. I, I, I don't know how long. I've, I reread Anatomy Lesson every so often. Yeah. But, like, it's probably been a couple of years since the last time I read it. It's still so good. Yeah. Such a good comic. I agree. I remember the first time I read it, which yeah. was, to be fair, 13 years after it had already been published. I sure. Think, sure. Right? Was it 1983? Yeah, it sounds about right. 83 or 84. I think I read it around 96. No, no, it's got to be 84. All right, so let's really call it a dozen years after it was published. I mean, at that point, I was already exposed to stuff like, you know, Starman, Preacher. I'd already read Watchmen. Uh, and, I mean, I still recognize the utter genius of this comic, right? And I can't imagine what it was like to have read it originally. Mind-boggling. Um, that is the anatomy lesson by Alan Moore and John Tottleman. Uh, Bissett and Tottleman. It's Bissett and Tottleman? Yeah. Alan Moore, though. Tom Yeats cover, though, weirdly. Not a Bissett or Tottleman cover. I mean, Alan Moore just has his buddies who only draw for him, right? Sure. Well, I mean, it's worked out well for them. He basically gives them the entire, like, yeah, all but, the windfalls. Yeah, but they don't work. But they have, like, project. whack, like, years go by with, like, nothing getting published, though. That's the thing. Sure. Because he, he often writes about that. Like, he feels bad. Like, these guys won't take any other work because they're, like, waiting on his next script and his next script might not come out for sure. three years. Sure. And then he has, like, four League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comics come out this year. But then there's, like, an eight-year, you know, right. where I wasn't doing anything with my life. Kevin, Kevin O'Neill still always draw that. Uh-huh. 
I mean, he's won the Eisner. I love Kevin O'Neill. But he does. It's weird. His his style is like, it's like a weird like, not precise comic booky implementation of what he imagines magazine art from that era was like. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Because it's not like how he drew he's Green like, Lantern. Oh yeah, well, I mean Kevin O'Neill's really not known for his mainstream comic work, right? Like he's really known for Nemesis. Which he did in 2000 AD in the like very early 80s. I thought they got together on Green Lantern. He wrote like I'm sorry, he drew Mogo doesn't socialize, right? Right, but he, I'm saying that's not what he was known for. He was a known quantity before he started working with Alan Moore in terms of like. So he's like doing like Judge Dredd. He was doing he was doing 2000 AD stuff, and then he did um, he did a comic for Marvel for Epic called Martial Law. Is that just a Judge Dredd ripoff? It was like a Judge Dredd ripoff, like very, very heavy BDSM kind of overtones. Who wrote it? The other BDSM? <laughs> I didn't realize that you had another name. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember who wrote it. I don't remember. Brian David Samuel Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love Kevin, I love Kevin O'Neill's stuff. Um, of the more collaborators, he's not my favorite. Who do you think my favorite is? Uh, your favorite is uh, Chris Press. In one. How did you know? Because it's obvious, right? It's obvious. Yeah. I mean, he's probably up there. I mean, Kevin O'Neill might actually be my favorite. Yeah? But I know Gibbons is my favorite. Is so Gibbons is my favorite. Good. Gibbons is my favorite. Gibbons is just so goddamn meat and potatoes, just like perfectly executed. I will give you Gibbons is perfectly executed for Gibbons, but I feel like Sprouse's ceiling has no ceiling. Sure. Like, so here's the thing. You don't use Gibbons for, like, the big idea Alan Moore projects, right? Like, you don't, you think? Mm, you do. So... Okay, Watchmen is a big idea Alan Moore project, but there's nine panels on every page. So, so how big can any panel but be? But that in and of itself was a big idea. When was the last time people even... When was the last time people even talked about panel structure... Like, he, he actually forced people to deconstruct comics to some degree <coughs> just by his, just by the way they collaborated on that book, by the fact that each cover is panel one of the book, right? Like, they, they changed the way people discuss comics. You're not going to get an argument against Watchmen from me. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. All I'm saying is, let's say I wanted to write a comic about God and, um, you know, Bissette Tottleman and Alan Davis were all... We're all busy, right? I'd go for Chris Sprouse, right? Sure. Oh, I mean, I guess he's got so many good collaborators. Like, I think that, I think, look, just for high heights, I'd go Bolland, but Bolland's N is so small. I, I, I really just, I just feel like you're just not going to go wrong with Gibbons. Like, just straight up, you pick Gibbons over Bolland. Yes. It's going to get done. People are going to be able to read it and understand <laughs> it. We're not going to have to wait two years for she 12 to come out. Why are you kicking Ball into the nuts so Ballin. many times? Ball is a god. He's so good. Oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, has the sort of, uh, the, the sort of work product of a god, <laughs> yeah. you know? All right. People I wouldn't pick. Eric Larson. <laughs> Jeez, I'm pro. I also love Eric Larson. You know that, right? I, I've read most of Savage Dragon because of you. You said, I love Savage Dragon. I mean, you've read way more Savage Dragon than I have. Why I don't feel you like... say you love... I read... Two and a half omnibuses of Savage Dragon, and it's still going. It's like you told me you love Savage Dragon. Why would you? you how I, many of you? How many of you even read? Uh, like three issues. I'm gonna throw this. 
Lucky no, no, podcast. You'll, lo- you'll lose the Grand Prix. Don't do that. What the? the Why would you tell me? Maybe oh, my God. Brian literally said, oh, you know what, Mike? I love Savage Dragon. I I've read two and a half omnibuses of Savage Dragon. Listen, Mike. Mike, Although I sent you that you panel went, you with went, Savage Dragon wearing the Amy Mann t-shirt. Yeah, Mike, I sent that to Mike, you, right? You went to a tournament last week, and you said, I love this deck. How many games did you play with that deck before you, <laughs> you know, you... You're able to, like, make an opinion about something that's ill-informed on a very small sample size. But I didn't get my friend Michael J to read fucking Savage Dragon. I really liked the three or four issues that I read. Like, things, there's a lot of rubble. It does like, not oh, age well. No. There's a lot of, like, racism, sexism, and homophobic oh, really? slurs in that comic Oh, no. That's terrible. Like, a lot. Oh, that's terrible. I don't see, I don't remember any of that. Well, it was just, in the early 90s. Yeah. So you could call people whatever kind of words you wanted in yeah. the comic book. I just, like, it was like it, what it satisfied for me was the hero picks up villain or villain picks up hero and throws them through two blocks of buildings, at which point they crash into a cement truck and the cement truck folds around them and then they get up from the cement and return serve. Yeah. Right? That, was what it, that, that is what it accomplished for me. It certainly has that to it. Yes. That's part of Savage Dragon. But I mean, you could do similar... I do, I do remember it was a little, uh, I guess the term would be male gazy. Also. I think he's awful about some of that stuff. Yeah. Also, I feel like if it were Adam Hughes doing the execution, I would feel less the way I do. Sure. But you like Frank Cho. He's like the most male gazy guy. I don't really know that Frank stuff. I, I, so my friend Evan works, has talked about working with Frank Cho on yeah. various things, and he's very, he's a very talented illustrator. But just you know, yeah. I mean, he's he's I mean he's he doesn't really scratch my itches. Yeah. I mean, you know who my favorite comic book artist is in modern com- in current comics. In current comics. Yes. Yeah. I thought Los Bros Hernandez was your I'm, favorite. Superhero comics. By the way, I'm buying a Gilbert Hernandez page. Yeah. Original from the first Palomar. Uh, it's the one from uh, current superheroes. From the Paul Grist is your favorite. I, that's that's also I would say outside of the range of. I would count that. Yeah, I would dude say, has a costume and he's fighting vampires. It's Amanda. <laughs> My favorite's Amanda. Yeah, you just pick your friends. No, I mean I. I, I you know, I mean she is one of my best friends' wives, <laughs> or Ursat's wife, anyway. But, uh... I'm not saying she's not great. I'm uh, just saying... She's unbelievable. I just, I'm just saying, like, I think that most male superhero comic fans don't pick Amanda. They're wrong. But, I mean, they're wrong. wrong. They're incorrect. They're incorrect about their own opinion? Yes. They're incorrect. I mean... Like, just like her. They just value has, different things. Yes that don't involve being one of the greatest cartoonists alive she, so today. So the thing is, she mostly, so at this point in her career, she mostly does covers. Sure. So, like, I think that if she has an outsized capability with storytelling, it doesn't it doesn't come out as much, right? She's just doing I, I portraiture. Think, I think she's in that weird spot where, where you do a ton of covers and you don't, people don't get to see your... No, no, all yeah, I'm saying yeah, is, like, if you're going to say how current they are, like, you're just like, well, look, if you're just going to talk about people who are only doing covers, then... Her peers are like, you know, James Jean or, or Adam Hughes, like who, who are like also super talented artists, but they don't do a lot of interiors, sure. right? Like, so I think like, I don't, th- I don't know if James Jean's ever done an interior. 
I, I really don't know. I don't. I, I think he might have never done an interior, but his Cinderella cover from Fables Fifty or whatever yeah. is literally the best comic cover I've ever seen. Okay. Right, it, well, it, it's, it's like. You'll it, have to do some blog post about that so I can have I seen did. it. I did. I did. Oh, you it did? It was the all first right. one I ever did. Oh, all right. Well, um, so I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, I think it's Fables Fifty. It's from some Fables, but it's. It like the details on it are like. I do love Paul Grist too. Yeah, I know Paul Grist is actually your favorite, but you're like, oh, well, I'm thinking. I'm, I also like Chris Sprouse quite a bit. I'm gonna die on the hill. I'm saying Amanda. I am gonna die on the hill. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I I know that you really like Paul Grist, right? Yeah. I mean, who's my favorite? Probably Chris Samney. He's really good. Yes, he's really good. He's Um, on my list of I will buy everything Chris um, Samney draws. Someone I think who's tremendously underrated, also someone I consider a friend, so accept the bias, it's important, is uh, Kari Randolph. I don't know Kari Randolph's work very much. You love Kari. You love his stuff. Uh, Yeah? Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll once we're off, y'all. I'll show you. What has Carrie Randolph done? Uh, Random issues of Legion of Superheroes, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think I think maybe I do. I think maybe I do. <laughs> uh, he does the covers. He did the covers to Black for Jamal Eichel's project, and now for White, which is like I don't know this project. It's a Kickstarter superhero project. Like, what if only Black? Uh, People develop superpowers. Wait, why is Jamal Eigel not drawing his own stuff? He's he like is a, drawing his own stuff. He is drawing his own stuff. Illustrator. He is doing his own stuff. The covers are cards. Okay. I feel like I must know Kari Randolph's stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. I just, I don't know why I'm not placing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Chris Press, though. Well, I don't know I don't know what Chris Press is doing right now. All of my comics ideas are super time displaced, though, because I only... Oh, no, you know who I like the best? Michael Janet. I don't even know who that is. Uh, he did most of Tim Seeley and Tom King's Grayson run. Oh, okay. So their whole thing was, like, lean into, like, Grayson being, like, the set male sex symbol of superheroes. Okay. okay. So it's all, like, gymnastics and abs. And then he's also, like, the primary artist on Tom King's Batman. Okay. Which is also, like... Wait, we gotta, we gotta do a little Batman segue here. Okay. So have you... You haven't watched Titans yet on the DC app, Mm-mm. right? So Batman hasn't shown up on it yet. Oh, wait. Are you paying for it right now? Yeah. Why don't I just steal your login and then I will... What? <laughs> Why don't I do what? that? <laughs> yeah? That does not... That does, that All does right. not seem... Like I didn't even ask... would ever do. I didn't even ask. That would be wrong. Correct. Um, <laughs> no one would ever suggest that. Se- that was a test. Lawful good. Season two. Yeah? They've cast, apparently, a cast member from Game of Thrones to play Batman. Who do you believe it is? Bron. <laughs> is it Bron? It's not Bron. He is a slightly it's a slightly older take on the character because it's kind of like, you know, great Dick has left yeah. you know, Batman's so I don't know who. Ian Glenn. Really? Yeah, it's really weird to me. It's really weird. I just don't see him as Batman at all. Wait, is he in good enough shape to be? <laughs> I mean, like, he's probably good enough shape to play, like, Dark Knight-era Batman. Ian Glenn? Yeah, isn't that weird? Like, if I told you he was playing Alfred, you'd be like, yep. Oh, oh yeah. That's right. Oh, so, last night, you know that epi- that part where, like, where Bron is, like, with, the, with all the prostitutes or whatever, and yeah. then he's like, oh, Queen wants to talk to you? 
So they weren't even in the scene together, right? He just said the queen wants to talk to you? So I was telling Catherine this true story. Apparently, in real life, Bronn and Cersei used to date. Like, way before Game of Thrones. Like, years and sure. years before Game of Thrones. He was a huge he was a huge music star. And they hate each other now. Oh, that's like, funny. And they can't even be, like, in a scene together. Yeah. They'll, like, kill each other. Yeah. So, like, I was just like, so I was telling her this, and then they just weren't in the scene together. And I'm like, of course they weren't. They can't be, like, in the same room together. So do you know the song, right, um, the song Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers? How's that go? I, yeah, I'm oh, not... That's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so one of the, one of the like this huge song. Yeah, I think uh, I know. It's been recorded a handful of times. It's not even originally a Righteous Brothers song, but it's not the point. The highest charting recording of that song yeah. in England, and one of the highest charting recordings of that song of all time, other than by the Righteous Brothers, is by Braun. I love Braun. Yeah. I think outside of the big three, Braun is my favorite character. Braun's great. Wait, who's the big? Th- I guess it's the big four, right? Like Danny, Arya, John, and Tyrion. That's what people think of. I mean, Sansa's in this. No way. So- I mean, you, you and are, my wife. You are not. You're underestimating Sansa, and you know what Tar- Tyrion said about people who underestimate her. They end up dead. Okay. Here, here are my predictions. Uh, the heir to Aaron, the guy in the in the veil, wins the game and marries Sansa. Wait, wait. This, this weenie little kid who's uh Oh, sure. I think he marries Sansa and, and, and wins the game. I think Arya kills everybody on her list but dies killing Cersei. Okay. Oh, that's good for me. Okay. Does Cersei kill her? Maybe Mountain kills her. No. But, I, th- but I, think, I think she gets away with killing everybody on her list. Yeah. She doesn't fail, but she doesn't win. Sure. All right? Uh, and I think it's just way too on the nose for Jon or Danny to end up happy or in charge. Sure. I think all the dragons die. Sure. Do you think Bronn is the Night King? No. They have the same nose. <laughs> no, I don't think that. They do. They look the same. I think there's a 0% chance that, that Bronn is assassinating any Lannister boys, though. I think that this whole plot point is just like, you know, people are just like, Bronn is just like this scumbag mercenary or whatever. But I think... No, not Bronn. Bronn. Bram. Huh? Bram. Bran. 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 Bran, yes. Not Bronn. Bran. Brandon Stark. Yes. No, he's not the Night King. He's the Night King. Night King. The Night King is like fighting at lightning speed and throwing ice spears into dragons. Brandon is King. sitting in a wheelchair. Night King. Bron is the Night King. Not Bron. Not Bron. I don't. Do you think Bron's gonna assassinate any Tyrions or any Jaime's? No way, right? No way. He like he really cares about them. They're really his friends. Like. Sure. For as close as Bronn can have a friend, I sure, think. Sure, I, I could see him killing Tyrion, but not Jamie. Really? No yeah, I way. Think, I think he likes Jamie. I think he, I think he will, I think Tyrion's like his first friend. Yeah, maybe. There's no way. Zero percent chance. Yeah. If I'm wrong about this one, sure. may a dragon eat Arya Stark. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, don't, I think Melisandre. We didn't see any of her for this. Doesn't get out alive. Yeah. Who, who gets out alive? Sansa, for sure. Sure. Sansa, Bran, pseudo alive, whatever he is. Yeah, Bran. Whatever Bran you call the night Whatever he is. Gets out alive. Um, the, uh, the Onion Knight, Davos. Oh, he has somebody has to rule, right? Yeah. I think Tyrion lives. I think Tyrion's going to die selflessly. Really? Yeah. He wants to. Here's the thing. Tyrion wanted to pay all of his debts, but he was a little short. 
What's the name of this episode? That guy has reach. Whatever that guy's name is, he has reach. Just remember, I'm telling you, when you kill something, someone attacks their flyer into it. You you thank Brian David Marshall. Thank Mike. That guy has reach. Whatever his name is. Whatever. I I already forgot his name. And I've since put away the. uh, Put away the iPad. We can't look it it up. No. (laughs) It's it's against the rules. That's even more against the rules than sharing a DC Universe login. We're not doing that. We cannot do that. It's against the rules. All right, so. Titans, Ian Glenn, right? Oh, so you said Doom Patrol's good? Doom Patrol, I'm, I've only watched two episodes so far. Is Timothy Dalton in it? Timothy Dalton's in it. The cast is actually really good. So the cast is um, Matthew Bomer. Timothy, Shut up. Timothy Dalton. It's just the most handsome dudes ever. Brendan Fraser. It really is the most handsome dudes. <laughs> Brendan From Fraser decade over time. Yeah, I was just No, no, no. Yeah. Like 80s, like 87, yeah, yeah. Timothy yeah. Dalton. Like 92, um, Brendan Fraser. Current day, Matthew Bummer. Matthew Bummer's still the handsomest dude. Uh, right I don't know the actress who plays Rita Farr. I don't really recognize her from anything. But um, the actress who plays Jane is from um, Orange is the New Black. She's, um, I forget her name, but she's the one who's always doing all the makeup videos and stuff. And so I don't have any, uh, not any, not zero, but I don't have very much Doom Patrol background. Yeah. That's not a comic I'm real into yeah. or know about. Yeah. Is that going to matter? No. No. I mean, like, I know all about the Titans. Right. And you know Grant Morrison wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's where he, like, well, did he, he experimented more on Animal Man, right? Animal Man was first, and yeah. then Doom Patrol. Then Invis- Invisibles is really his opus. Doom, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is, is where I'd say Doom Patrol is a great bridge from Animal Man to Invisibles level nut, nut, nuttiness. Oh, I'm into. I'm super into Invisibles. Yeah. Read every. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And then I mean. And, oh, and Alan Tudyk. Really? Yes. I'm trying to think. Who it's else? a great. Sounds like a great cast. It's a great cast. I'm telling you, the show's really well done. Have, so have you watched Cobra Kai? I haven't watched. A plus. That's what people keep telling it's me. It's so good. Okay. I mean, do you like, like the original Karate Kid stuff, right? Sure. For what it was. Yeah. This is A+. This is probably better than the original Karate Kid. It's just like, it's like you have the feels and like, it's so, I'm not sure if morally ambiguous is the right word, right? Yeah. It's like, it's hard to tell who the good guys are. So you might turn out, I forget, did you watch Shameless or not watch Shameless? I've seen the first episode, the second, maybe the first three episodes. I Emmy Rossum is in a giant movie scene. I don't know if she was doing Shameless. I guess, I mean... No, that, she left. She didn't do this season, right? right? Yeah, I believe she's she's off. This was... Uh, she's gorgeous, right? That's she's, her. She's, yeah, she's stunningly beautiful, and she's... A great actor. Unbelievable. Like, every time she's... She, it's like... I, I called the show This Is Us in the Upside Down, because it's just like... She was in something else, though, that was big, though. She's been in a few things, and she's done some music stuff, apparently, but she's great. Yeah. She's really great. Everyone on the show is really good, including... I mean, you don't watch Gotham, so... William H. Macy's in it, right? William H. Macy's in it. Is it his wife in jail for... She is. How come uh, he's not in jail? Cameron Monaghan, who plays Ian on the show, is the guy who plays the Joker on Gotham, although they can't call him Joker the Joker. Why? Because well, the Joker doesn't come out until Batman dumps him in a chemical the, bag. He's already been dumped in a chemical bag, buddy. But, not by, but not by Batman? Spoiler, by, God, by Bruce Wayne. Really? Oh, yeah, he and Bruce are intertwined. And some Rachel Ghoul and... I should be watching you this. You should just watch Gotham. What's, Gotham. What is wrong with me? I don't understand. This is literally my favorite character. I don't understand. To my bones. How you... There are... There's I'm an goddamn episode, inexplicable. There's an episode, without, without spoilers, where the Joker kidnaps Bruce Wayne, brings him to a carnival of crime, 
where people are in like dunk tanks filled with piranhas. <laughs> Puts a cannon about an inch from Bruce Wayne's face. Oh, this is on Fox. This is on Fox at eight o'clock yeah. on Tuesday, right? Oh, yeah. or whatever. Takes a cannon, puts it about an inch from Bruce Wayne's face, starts filling it, yeah. like Acme cartoon, like putting silverware in it, yeah, yeah. putting a suitcase, whatever. The show is, there's there's Acme rockets, you know, like Acme fireworks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Filled with Joker venom <laughs> that are about to be launched in one of, it's, you love this show. Like, it is, it's, goofy as fuck, but it's also like the macabre, like the, 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 the stakes are pretty high for the characters. So, and B.D. Wong plays Hugo Strange. Nice. Did I ever tell you I had drinks with B.D. Wong once? No. Yeah, so, do you He's know, great. you know Annalise Bella? Yeah. So, we were, I think we were in the Palm on 50th Street, you know, the steakhouse? Yeah. Just drinking at the Palm, and this guy in a beanie just starts talking to her. And uh, they're talking, blah, blah, blah. And, like, he's Asian or whatever. I guess she, like, she knows every Asian or something. Then, you know, he's just hanging out. And I'm not friends with him, right? So I'm just, she's, like, in the middle. Like, I'm on the right, he's on the left. And he just, like, has a drink or two with us and then leaves. And I'm like, oh, who's that? She's like, oh, that's B.D. Wong. And I'm like, who's that? It was before he was on. Law and Order? Yeah, so it was, like, 99. Yeah. So he wasn't, she's like, oh, he was in Mulan. I was like, what? He was in Mulan? Yeah, so he had been in Mulan already. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he was a highly he was highly regarded for a lot of stuff. Yeah, she was a TV producer before yeah. she worked at the dojo, so she knew a lot of like famous and now TV people. He's Hugo Strange, and he was on SVU. They still got SVU going. Yeah, when I I like to travel only in so far that I don't have TV. So I put on I put on the USA Network and then I just fall asleep with the USA Network sure. on. And I will periodically. Do that when I'm not traveling. I will wake up at different times of night and there's always an episode of SVU going on. Yeah. Yeah. And if you watch uh, We Network, there'll always be an episode of Criminal Intent. Oh, yeah? And if you watch WGN, there will always be an episode of Chicago PD. But you'll think for just a moment that it's Law & Order. Because <laughs> they use all the same actors and it's the same producer. That guy had reach. Yes. All right. 